Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Today's Gut Plus Science Healthcare is solid. We are on a roll with some great leaders and some great topics. Our topic today is a new one for the show, cross-sectional leadership. Today, I'm speaking with Dan Voloshin, who has been in executive hospital leadership for 23 years. For the past nine years, Dan has served as the CEO of Rehab Hospital of Indiana, commonly known as RHI. Dan has a unique management philosophy that combines servant leadership with understanding the neuropsychology of corporate hospital systems through both a clinical and administrative lens. You'll get to see what I mean by that in today's conversation. And Dan is giving us some vivid examples of how to apply cross-sectional leadership practices to our work. Let's get to it. Dan, welcome to Gut Plus Science. As the CEO of Rehabilitation Hospital of Indiana, you lead a large team that is scattered all over the state, which makes engagement somewhat challenging. But you've figured out some things that we're going to shine a light on today and highlight. And I'm really excited to share that in the episode today. Let's start with an attempt to see the world through the lens of Dan Velotion first. So that's going to help us set the stage, I think, because of the way that you think and that your background to help us then understand how to embrace some of the tactical leadership stuff that our listeners are going to gain today. So Dan, I'll let you kick off and um, welcome to the show. Share your mindset with us. Looking at uh, systems and leadership, uh, I have a, a bit of a unique approach, kind of come from two angles. Uh, one, really from a neuropsychiatric lens, uh, and another angle is certainly a cross-sector or sectional leadership lens as well. So when I, I, I just think it's very important when looking at systems that kind of establish, uh, you know, whether or not systems are healthy or unhealthy. And when looking at systems, uh, you know, healthiness or unhealthiness, certainly there's gradations of that. And one, I believe, really has to look at uh, kind of the intellectual IQ portion of, of systems and the emotional IQ portion of systems, as well as even cross-sectional quotient uh, as well. So I, I begin to look at uh, kind of a, from a clinical standpoint, kind of a diagnostic uh, portion of a uh, first portion of this. And uh, so I, I identify um, how systems are functioning in relation to any fears they might have, or do they have any phobias, or is it a depressed type of system or departments? Uh, feel a sense of anxiety or, or feeling a sense of uh, being over-controlled or things of that sort. And I kind of label that uh, a neurotic overlay, if you will. Other portions of, uh, of a neuropsychiatric lens really is to see how systems are approaching their beliefs. So um, are systems, in a sense, delusional or do they believe that uh, they are moving towards uh, a goal but uh, and they do the same thing over and over? You kind of heard of insanity uh, that doesn't work, but doing it over and over again. And uh, But systems may feel that this is the way to go, and they may be a little bit grandiose in terms of how they approach different problem-solving tactics or goals, and that's really not all that healthy. Another area that I look for uh, just is the overall character um, of systems. So is the character such that, that departments or staff or leaders are always looking over their shoulder? Um, is there a kind of a micromanagement type phenomena where it, it kind of fosters a paranoia in a sense? 
sense. And that's certainly not healthy. Do people shy away from others or they become detached? Kind of a fancy term for that. And in the neuropsychiatric lens is the, uh, the schizoid type uh, individuals and uh, or systems. So I kind of look for that as well. Uh, but really, outside of, uh, of some of those areas, um, it's obviously very important uh, for systems to look at moving ahead and thinking critically in terms of problem analysis. So from a neurocognitive standpoint, uh, for, for those that are not familiar with brain function, we, we think about frontal lobes and executive functions and, uh, and things like how we're able to approach problem tasks. Are we critical in our analysis? Uh, are we identifying errors that might be committed? Do we have adequate foresight or strategic thinking? And uh, can we think visionary uh, in ways where uh, we can certainly plan in an integrated fashion? So that's those are primarily some of the areas from a, a neuropsychiatric standpoint. But also uh, that combines with a kind of a cross-sectional leadership quotient that I call it, where leaders really need to look towards moving from their own direct reports uh, and having a pulse in other departments, having a pulse in other leaders and, and, and people. From which, you know, we kind of look at a clinical, from a clinical standpoint, we, we develop a plan of care. That That's the clinical side. Uh, from a business side, it's really uh, known to be much more like a strategic plan or department plans or, uh, or goals of that sort. So all of those plans and strategic initiatives or plan of care really kind of, in my opinion, need to revolve around uh, the values of the organization. Uh, and for RHI, for example, uh, we have a variety of values, uh, some some of which include integrity and respect and service and, and innovation and being truly team players. But we also, through the course of a neuropsychiatric lens, um, I look to see how individuals, hard departments and leaders load on some of those values um, and how do they cope. And disciplines and leaders will cope based on uh, the healthiness or the unhealthiness of, of their approaches. And uh, we, we kind of take a look at that. So it's really a, a holistic look. Uh, those are kind of the foundations pieces that I approach systems and leadership. And I found that uh, with that, uh, it really loads nicely on best practices and evidence-based approaches where uh, we truly have what I can kind of consider a, a hybrid team across our entire organization. And, 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 and again, based on what uh, I've talked recently on, uh, certainly truly evidence for uh, cross-sectional leadership and impacting upon the organization that way. Thank you so much for setting the tone there. You you touched on three important leadership components, intellectual, emotional, and cross-sectional. And we've talked a lot on the show about the importance of emotional intelligence and emotional leadership. It's just a really hot topic today. But cross-sectional leadership, that's a new term to the show. And I'd really like to dig into that. And I know you've got some, some passion around it and definitely some experience on bringing that to Rehabilitation Hospital of Indiana. So let's start off by, I'm kind of going on the opposite side here here, you know, with how cross-sectional leadership can be so powerful. Let's just start with silos and organizations. And, you know, when we have these, they're, they're unhealthy. That's an unhealthy character trait, right? Of a team. And so I want you to talk about the importance of eliminating silos before we go into talking about cross-sectional leadership and how that can help with that. Let's just talk about the importance of eliminating and what we may be looking for in, in identifying silos, which are unhealthy inside of our organizations. 
Sure. Uh, well, silos just by definition are not unhealthy, and uh, it is uh, silos are certainly inconsistent uh, with cross-sectional leadership. It really creates an environment that reduces transparency to secrecy, uh, which is uh, hugely uh, uh, unhealthy. Um, it creates ambiguity within systems um, around how to engage in teamwork and really stifles creativity, reduces a department's depth around how others can contribute to department and system goals. Really, if the goal, and we're kind of talking about cross-sectional leadership is healthy systems and, and, and cross-sectional leadership in a healthy way, one really needs to understand that uh, the lack of clarity and sharing operations across departments really creates difficulties aligning with uh, overarching strategic goals. Uh, that can lead to uh, a lot of ambiguity. It can lead to others not feeling fit and uh, uh, they're not fitting into the organization and certainly uh, uh, turning into decreased security and uh, how people feel and how departments feel and working together. I mentioned earlier, it can, it can create increased fears uh, and uh, really regarding the health of the organization or in this case, uh, the hospital and the direction the organization is going. Um, I'm always of the opinion that um, you don't have to be expert in everything, but uh, there is one thing that I really believe one has to be expert in, certainly from the leadership standpoint, is to, to reach out and know others um, and to serve others. There, You have to have an expertise with that to kind of drive uh, a, a reduction of silos and an elimination of silos. Um, and that can be done through one's own expertise or actively seeking others' expertise. Uh, so in silos, directors and staff relationships um, necessary to know other staff and their desires uh, to share is, is missing. Core personalities um, and what drives staff um, as well as how they relate individually and what others are compromised uh, is really a mystery. So we have to really have a pulse on other departments and how to support other departments and, and and know their various strengths to move the hospital forward. Really all have to work as one and really have to preserve individuality while stressing the team with that. And I think RHI does a really nice job. Um, our leadership does a phenomenal job in kind of reaching out to break down those silos and kind of know the values and strategic goals of the organization and share that uh, between each other and really align with individual departments. I think one of the greatest ways of doing that is for leaders uh, to be motivated around knowing other stories and stories are, you know, unique to their departments or unique to the individual and really knowing something uh, about them uh, and to share that with each other. And, and that loads highly on, or it should load highly on uh, values and motivations of where the hospital is headed and, and certainly how we're headed together as a, a cross-sectional team. So you really have to understand a bit about how, what resources we have for, uh, to be for each other and for staff uh, amongst the leadership. And, and I think what's really important and, and understanding um, how one can be a resource is to be able to provide each other examples, concrete examples of how to serve others. And, and that can be kind of embedded in the stories we know of others. I love what you said about just a crucial leadership skill being excellence in reaching out and communicating and serving others. Would that be how you define cross-sectional leadership or, or how would you take what, you know, that, that profound statement and help us understand what does cross-sectional leadership exactly mean to you? 
Cross-sectional leadership, really, uh, my belief is that the very foundation of that is respect and transparency. And I've learned over the 30 plus years in, in this business and certainly working with a variety of leaders that, uh, and, and frankly, uh, my own beliefs that 97% of things can be shared with each other. And uh, I kind of like label it as 3% or less cannot be shared, maybe due to legalities or some confidentiality issues. Uh, but the essence of, of, of that, the foundation is transparency. And so the definition really kind of revolves around leaders reaching out to other leaders and staff and being aware of others' expertise, their desires, their motivations. And it's not only at a superficial level. Uh, One has to really dig a little deeper. That is, they have to be able to tell stories inclusive of experiences that fellow staff or colleagues have or their motivations and their achievements. And frankly, uh, even knowing their favorite color. Uh, So um, it's really the ability to be a resource for other staff and leaders leaders and ways that go beyond what I kind of term title to title, because oftentimes you'll see that in organizational charts and silos are, are generated accordingly. But I like to look at it and, and rather see things as person to person. And and I think each person and each leader truly has to believe it's a privilege to serve others unconditionally. Uh, there's a professional and humanistic component to that. My true belief is you have to love something about the people you lead to be truly uh, to truly lead effectively. If you don't love something about the people you leave, you probably are not in the right place and you're probably not in the right place to be a leader. So that kind of is what loads on the definition and certainly the foundation of that. And I mean, I'll I'll tell you, we have some really, really neat examples of that. Um, We have a information technology director uh, who knows um, online dietary staff, uh, what they know, what they, what they enjoy serving and even the kind of boar's head meats we serve. And uh, it's, it's kind of rare that you have a a computer uh, guru that's, uh, that's involved in boar's head meats. Uh, but you know, another example, which is, I think, really cool is um, our chief financial officer. And we see patients here that um, uh, that suffer strokes, very catastrophic injuries, uh, brain injuries and stroke and neuro conditions and spinal cord injuries. And uh, when you have a chief financial officer that knows uh, uh, to some extent, and maybe to a greater extent, um, how stroke patients improve functionally and bladder functioning through self-care ratings, you probably you have a nice uh, example of uh, uh, of, of crossing over into departments and other leadership realms that truly make a difference and truly load on uh, on that level of, of, of respect and transparency for the expertise across the organization. Another example really is a clinical nurse. I mean, we know what nurses do and they're, they're wonderful, wonderful professionals. But when you can have a nurse talk to me about their awareness of financial business variables and, and operating margins and then move to the cost of parking lot renovations, I think you got what you need in terms of of, uh, of, of creating an environment and a, and a character and an organization that has truly uh, some level of health to it. Thank you for sharing that. And what incredible stories of some of your people. That's so cool. So Dan, let's talk about laying the foundation for cross-sectional leadership in your organization. How do you lay the foundation for trust and transparency, which are those core roots, if you will, for employees? Like, What are some of the hows of what you're doing? Well, first and foremost, it has to start with me. The uh, laying the foundation has to be about about modeling and and certainly me believing in and what truly is important for our organization. Uh, so uh, that happens. It starts all the way with orientation of new staff. There's always an expectation to look at the glass half full and everything that we do in a respectful way, uh, while modeling that and handing off to others uh, who also will hand off to others, and that kind of permeates throughout the system. Uh, when I see somebody in the hall 
hallway. I mean, some of these conversations I have uh, around values, et cetera, happen in the hallway. And these, I think for a lot of leaders, uh, that happens a lot. Uh, and I think uh, it's important not only to be passive in those conversations, but it's important to write things down, make notes on your iPhone and really, truly show the individual that you're talking to that you're, you're taking that seriously. You're doing something with it and you want to make a difference. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, you really have to love the people that you're leading and you really have to, as an individual leader, understand uh, your own values and how they align with the values of the organization. And in doing that, um, I think it's extremely important to create an experience for every individual you come in contact with, every colleague you come in contact with um, on a regular basis. If you can't create an experience in that conversation, it probably wasn't, you probably didn't achieve the goal that you wanted to. But uh, an example that might be uh, what, what I try to do this, uh, you know, we, a lot of times we're talking about numbers within organizations and businesses. And, and I'd like to create experiences where financial numbers jump off the page, where uh, uh, people get excited about what's behind all of those numbers, uh, all the way from that point to uh, creating a, an experience where I'm emotionally ready to connect with an employee who perhaps may have suffered a loss or perhaps certainly in, in, in the nature of what we've been going through recently in the pandemic, uh, being able of uh, being available for those employees. But I'm a, really accustomed to um, you know the foundation really is set by what I term it's not a it's not a, a a new term it's called unconditional positive regard and Dr. Rogers kind of coined that term but really the essence of that is to do for others first for the, for that reason alone do things for others without any conditions placed upon uh, getting something in return and I think that when one when a leader can uh, come from that value and from that foundation it's truly something that resonates very very well with um, our organization and with our staff and with our teams. I mentioned transparency, but it's important to engage others. Uh, it's always important to access their strengths, and I believe always to incorporate their strengths into a topic at hand during conversation. Um, and in doing that, um, it's uh, creating a story. Uh, I, I mentioned a lot about stories. Those stories have to be credible ones, and I think they only become credible when one understands the expertise of the person or leader you're speaking to and kind of the very deep sense of, of what motivates them and taking what motivates them and creating those stories and tying that to organizational goals, tying that to other teams and other disciplines as we look at cross-sectional pr uh, presentation, just very important and to give examples, uh, concrete examples of what these leaders and staff characteristics are all about. Every staff, every leader, every person uh, has a natural connectedness with something. Uh, so it's the it's really the, the job, I believe, of the leader to understand, you know, what their motivations are and what their strengths are. So, for example, teaming or compassion for others, that's kind of inherent in, in, in the industry that we have in meeting patients' needs and uh, certainly tailoring our approach to helping them out. Maybe use of humor is, is a big one for somebody or a strong affinity to service. I think no matter what it is, I think it's important and it, it behooves us to ensure that we understand, truly understand in a credible way what our colleagues are all about. Modeling for others and engaging others and teaching others and expecting other leaders to do the same is really kind of an axiom that I believe in and I live by and I expect. And it's really about uh, creating alliances. Um, you know, when you certainly inherit in cross-sectional leadership is an alliance. Uh, it's kind of a one team or a hybrid across the organization, something that I really believe we have. And it's it's evidenced by our, our, our employee perception surveys and our outcomes, et cetera. But um, I think there's a conscious uh, need to be a conscious effort to tie others to create 
create alliances not only within the organization but outside the organization within our community and and, and really address this kind of holistically so concretely we do this a lot. Um, I invite uh, staff and leaders, uh, online staff leaders, all different uh, team members to our department meetings. Um, I invite them to board meetings. Um, I have them look at uh, operational pathways they've generated and share their stories because without that, you truly don't understand or truly understand the nature of what everybody's doing amongst the organization. And I believe you truly miss the boat in terms of being best practice that way. I want to go back to a, the, something you mentioned around unconditional positive regard. That's a, a new term for the show. Sounds like an amazing and unique leadership practice that you and your team are, are performing. It directly correlates to your strong interest in servant leadership, which we're going to get to in just a minute. But before we go there, what are some of the other unique practices of your leadership on your leadership team? Anything else that you'd like to, to highlight? It sounds like amazing relationship building skills that you're just practicing regularly, the unconditional positive regard. What else would you like to highlight? Sure. Well, I think it's always very important to never take for granted the privilege that we all have uh, to gain insight from others. Every individual, every colleague, every team member um, has insights and uh, of, of huge significance. Uh, just to find those uh, is, is necessary and be conscious of those. And they have exponential worth in, in their contributions. Everybody at RHI, uh, I, I have the utmost respect for in terms of every level of con- contribution they make. And it's my duty to serve others that way and to understand that. Uh, uh, in the spirit of transparency, I mentioned a, a few areas, uh, certainly uh, bringing people uh, uh, in for board presentations. I've had environmental services staff right, that I've shared board presentations with, and I've taught financial metrics to our chaplain. Uh, it's just, I, I, it bats back to the 97% uh, transparency that I believe if people want to know about those, they deserve to know about those. And it's certainly important for me to be able to teach those, those, uh, those data points to others. So it, it's really uh, uh, taking those 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 strengths and people and sharing with those and publicly bringing those presentations and highlighting people by name uh, by experience by expertise across the organization and even across our board members and our board knows that uh, our board is just not a high level board uh, we're certainly partnered with very very strong strong uh, uh, clinicians and business people across our board and it's not only a certainly a superficial high level look it's, it's an understanding of how the organization runs all the way down to online staff. So I've spent time with um, a variety of people just helping to support uh, teaching leadership skills to them. I've spent months with people from, again, environmental services all the way through uh, mentoring other aspects of, uh, of the organization. And I just believe that's important uh, for the CEO and for anyone to cross into other departments and offer other departments um, uh, kind of a some insight or, or some hopefully some uh, some new ways of learning or, or, or or new techniques that might be helpful within their departments. You know, some really interesting times, uh, uh, I guess it's also kind of where rubber hits the road. You know, being transparent, being out there for your employees is important, but I really make it a practice to do th- uh, things like being engaged. And I mean, I've I've uh, uh, put bed sheets on our, our, our patients' beds and I've been taught, uh, <laughs> I'll be really open with everybody, I've been taught how to make a very, very tight uh, uh, patient bed. So uh, when a patient comes in, they feel comfortable 
comfortable, certainly not my expertise, but I've been brought into some level of expertise through our environmental services staff, uh, our case management staff. Uh, they've accessed me and they've accessed other leaders, but in particular, I've been asked to retrieve wheelchairs from durable medical equipment companies to aid in discharges. And and it wasn't just the fact that uh, it, was, it was retrieving a wheelchair, but it was really the camaraderie, uh, the kind of the cross-sectional hybrid approach that uh, really makes for an experience. And uh, we all left uh, uh, that time with an experience of really serving others and making a difference. I filled linens with t- nurse texts and labeled water bottles. But one of the things that I, I, I really actually had a lot of fun with, and it was more spontaneous than anything else, uh, but I was at a leadership meeting where we had probably uh, uh, upwards of 40 leaders. Uh, and we, we talked a lot about positivity and, and, uh, and certainly, as I spoke earlier, the importance of understanding um, uh, our colleagues' motivations and their strengths. So I kind of termed it what I called rapid fire positives. And I took the opportunity to just spontaneously go around the room and share a story, uh, a very unique story about each and every leader in terms of their contributions that I, that I knew of uh, relative to our organization. And that created such a level of camaraderie and excitement uh, uh, that uh, I, I, I've kind of made it a practice or, or kind of an axiom of living in terms of uh, my own leadership and, and kind of loading on, as I said before, um, always looking at the glass half full. But, you know, I think it's really important to look at ensuring that we are intentionally reaching out to each other, to our leaders, to our colleagues, to get a sense of, of what they need from us, uh, what they need from each other, really, really consciously kind of digging deep on that. And, and my expectation is for others to do the same. And I think when you have that, it certainly permeates throughout uh, our entire system and it gets us the results that we, that we are so um, happy that we have. And let's go down that path of intentionally reaching out and being proactive and building relationships throughout the organization. You know, communication is always a challenge that organizational leaders have and trying to figure out what are the best ways to do this. And I'd love for you to just touch on some of the best practices that you guys have have found at Rehab Hospital of Indiana when it comes to communicating, whether that's one-on-one or throughout the organization or, you know, on your teams. Share some of those best practices of communication. The uh, first, uh, communication is only as good as how genuine the presentation is. So um, there's kind of precursors to, to that. So being transparent about self and, and certainly being honest is extremely important. It's it's being honest about one's approach and, and, and any errors that might be committed uh, and examples of approaches to correct the errors and how to grow with that. Uh, one of the things I, I think that's missing sometimes in organizations and in communication that is not talked a lot about uh, is... Uh, my belief is you have to think out loud and you have to be able to help others to get a sense of your own thought process as a leader and how you came to certain conclusions. I know sometimes that's difficult for people to do, but it's extremely beneficial where it helps in a sense to become kind of an external organizer for others, where you move from a point of, of, of gener- brainstorming out loud a problem that might that you might be faced with or a challenge, uh, verbalizing struggles, and, and even kind of working through some of those tasks tactics out loud so others can benefit from a variety of things. One, certainly uh, seeing how best you've handled uh, that and perhaps maybe taking some data points from you or the data points might be not to do certain types of things uh, and, and, and repeat things that are not working. But more importantly, I think what it does is it certainly lends to a relationship building and credibility and honesty and transparency. And I think without that level of transparency, I, I find it very difficult to have a best 
practice system without that. So I've seen with that, uh, it's worked out extremely well in terms of kind of engaging people, but really helping people to understand your own personality uh, and understanding their strengths and expertise and highlighting that during conversation. I think it's it's important to seek out recommendations from others to empower others in conversation and exaggerate their strengths. I've talked a, a lot about that. Um, I think it's important to build their reputation, build their credibility, and that's done by certainly uh, thinking out loud and having that two-way kind of communication or multi-way communication, uh, really aligning people with teams and aligning teams with the overall hospital system team is extremely important. I like to do a lot of highlighting achievements across the organization in some way uh, that results from everyone's input. It's not just individual's input, but tying that to the team and successful approaches around goals achieved. And I also, again, I mentioned earlier in the conversation, kind of looking at things as a glass half full, ruling things out is sometimes considered to be negative in, in some arenas. I always look at ruling things out that may have not worked as, as quite the positive uh, uh, approach and positive way of looking at things. And I create an excitement and we all need to create an excitement about things that we've ruled out uh, and as well as successful approaches. So uh, some of, those are some of the areas that I, I kind of promote in terms of communication and uh, that load really, really nicely on building those teams. Dan, thanks. This was awesome. Really, really great episode. We're going to take a quick break, hear from our sponsor message today, and we'll come back to what we call our lightning round, where we'll get to learn just a little bit more about you. We'll be right back. So in our efforts to launch this healthcare sub-series on Gut Plus Science, my why is Wambi. Wambi specializes in serving the industry that needs the most support, love, and gratitude, and that's healthcare. Together with Wambi, we will be building a community of people-first healthcare leaders and influencers to make a big positive impact on patient satisfaction and overall experience of patients and families, and also engagement of the very valuable healthcare workers in this world. So visit Wambi.org to learn more and hit me up. If you want to talk about the cool partnerships we're working on at Wambi, Nikki and I, KKI at Wambi, W-A-M-B-I.org. It'll be in the show notes too. And I am so grateful to be part of this team and part of this movement. Many cool things to come. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science. Great episode today. We're going to launch into our lightning round, which we do every episode to learn just a little bit more about our guests. So just, you know, short answers or feel free to elaborate if you'd like, Dan. What is your favorite book of all time? Or if that's too hard, what's a favorite recent read? Well, a favorite book I have is uh, Dare to Lead by uh, Breen Brown. And that's uh, it's been kind of a, a nice foundational book to not only reinforce what we're doing here at RHI, and, uh, but certainly it, it drives me and motivates me to uh, take risks, be vulnerable. And it's uh, certainly a part of my character is, is being transparent. So I uh, really love that book. How about a favorite vacation spot? Well, I love uh, St. Pete's Beach. I've been going out there for a while. Uh, it's 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 wonderful. It's kind of a nice hybrid of relaxation and things to do. And uh, again, because I'm a family type guy, really done a lot with, with our family and we, we, we go together there uh, pretty much yearly. Love the water. It's, it's beautiful out that way. And uh, uh, certainly kind of a combination of relaxation and, and being able to read and, and just enjoying each other's company. Favorite hobby when you're not working? I like, well, hobby, it might be considered a hobby or not. I love family. Uh, I love my, my, my granddaughter. Uh, I, I just, uh, family overall to me is just, is, is wonderful. I like to engage in that kind of time and, uh, and it's kind of outdoors. Uh, I love the outdoors and uh, just uh, any, any level of family time I eat up like there's no tomorrow. 
And Dan, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? Well, there's a variety of ways. Uh, certainly, uh, I have my email uh, at dan, D-A-N dot Volosian, W-O-L-O-S-Z-Y-N at R-H-I-N dot com. And that's primarily, that's, that's my email. The um, I'm also on LinkedIn um, as well as um, on Facebook. So a uh, variety of ways to connect that way, but, but certainly through my email is probably most appropriate. And today's truth you can act on from Dan Volotion. Number one, a crucial leadership skill, or I'd say habit, is reaching out and communicating and serving others, building that muscle of regularly reaching out. Number two, the foundation of cross-sectional leadership is trust and transparency. What intentional efforts are in the works or on the books to build these two important foundational traits in the work that you're doing every day? And number three, As the CEO or leader, remember you're always being watched. Model the behavior that you're looking for in your culture. And number four, make it a habit to regularly invite your leaders together for collaboration and relationship building. Powerful practice. We'll see you next week on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.